Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked up. That's picked up. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up with a hand. That's intercepted. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25. He's 20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And there are the cannons going. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. The 4-7 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are back at home in Raymond James Stadium as they will host Bryce Young and the 1-10 Carolina Panthers, who just fired head coach Frank Reich after a 1-10 start. And interim head coach and Chris Tabor is stepping up to the plate. And for the Bucs, this is a week that Everybody's been incredibly uncertain about. Uh, obviously, it's getting tough to defend the stretch the Bucks have put on the field over these last several weeks. I mean, a three and one start, and then you go one and six over your next seven games. Uh, it's been tough. It has been tough, and and despite how tough it has been, still in contention for an ugly NFC South division. Somebody's got to win it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who ultimately makes the postseason from this division. Because whoever it is. I don't know if they deserve to be there, but welcome back to the Can of Fire podcast. I am your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Joining us today as we look ahead to Week 13's game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. He is the host of the Believe in Panthers podcast with former Panther Jonathan Stewart, and he is also the owner of Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Desmond Johnson, a first-time guest on the show ready to help us break down all things Panthers. How you doing, Desmond? What's going on, guys? How are y'all doing? Good, man. Ready to talk about this game. And, you know, again, from the perspective of people in Tampa Bay, you go into this and say, well, the Bucs are 4-7. and seven. Yeah, they've been playing incredibly disappointing this year, but it is a game that the Bucs should win. It, it, at least that's kind of the consensus around here. But there's been a lot of games this year that we have said the Bucs should win, uh, and they clearly do not. So I wanted to toss it over to you and kind of ask, you know, this week has been a whirlwind for everybody up there in Carolina, obviously moving on from Frank Reich after that really tough start and Bryce Young still looking to develop, still has some time. Some people seem to be more impatient than others, but you got a lot left to figure out with not only that kid at quarterback, uh, but the rest of that team. And, and obviously a tough situation as well with a one in 10 record on pace for the number one pick in the draft. And after last year's uh, trade with Chicago, doesn't look like that's going to be on the table. So so what's the mood like in Carolina headed into this week? Hmm, what's the mood like? Um, well, it's later on in the week now, so I think it's more uh, hope, I guess, uh, from the fan base, whereas it was kind of despair going into Monday. I think we all knew that this was going to happen. It, it probably would have happened a week earlier, but um, 
our co-host Skylar Callahan, who's the beat writer for uh, the Panthers for Sports Illustrated, he mentioned on our show last week on Believe in Panthers that uh, they couldn't do it last week because of the holiday, uh, you know, and they had events scheduled throughout Charlotte with David and Nicole Tepper and players giving out turkeys and stuff like that. They were off on Thursday. If you were going to let them go last week, you have to scrap all that because you have a brand new interim head coach and all this other stuff coming in on a holiday week on top of that. So we kind of knew last week that no matter what happened, he wasn't going to get let go. But we did point to that Titans game last Sunday, weeks ahead, and thought if if it bottomed out there, if it looked ugly there, or something happened there, that might be the moment. And um, for the second year in a row, <laughs> we've gotten the week right in terms of <laughs> when the coach is going to get let go because uh, we were pretty much right down to the T with Matt Rule, too, right after the San Francisco game last year. You kind of knew then, and we kind of knew this week as well. Um, I, the thing is, we don't know what they're going to run. We have no idea. So it's like watching a brand new team. Um, and I imagine Tampa's going through this right now as well. They've said they're not going to change a whole lot, but I don't really believe that. I feel like from the press conferences the coaches gave this week from Carolina, it almost felt like they were relieved Frank was gone too and that now they're going to be able to open it up a little bit on both sides, offense and defense, and play a little looser. That seemed to be the theme. Um, so that's what I kind of expect from this Carolina team. They have nothing to lose. No one expects anything from them. They're 1-10. in 10. But they're sneaky good on defense. Uh, they're they're allowing they're six overall in the league in yards allowed, which I I can't even wrap my mind around. I'm not even sure how that's possible. But uh, they, they've done that without half their starters too. Most of the year they've been on IR. So very good defense. The offense has been pretty much in games for the most part of the year. Most of the games they've lost have been like one possession type games, ten point type games that get stretched out at the very end. It's funny you mentioned at the beginning uh, about games that you guys expect to win. We expected to beat Tampa early in the year. <laughs> that was one of the games we had marked off on our calendar. Like, oh, yeah, we can beat Tampa. So it's, it's funny how that kind of flips on its head. Um, and I, have, as a Panther fan and uh, cr- content creator, I have no idea what to expect uh, from the Panthers. But for the first time in a couple of weeks, I'm actually interested in watching the Panthers and seeing what they do. You know, the biggest takeaway that I had from what you said, it, it's the line that scares me the most. Uh, when we talk about the situation this Carolina team is in, they have nothing to lose. And that's obviously where we find ourselves because for the Bucs, I mean, they are hanging on for dear life. You know, this week, there are six games left on the schedule, and for Tampa Bay, four of those are division games. Two of those four are going to be games against Carolina. This one going to be at home this week. But, you know, the Bucs are hanging on to their final chance at a playoff appearance seemingly this week. I think if the Bucs want to put together anything worth actually winning the division over these next few weeks, it's going to have to start this week. You, you cannot you cannot lose to a 1-10 Carolina team, respectfully, and and convince people that you're a team good enough to win the division that you're in. The Bucs have obviously been been on a, a, a downward spiral uh, for months now. They did get the one win against Tennessee, but aside from that, there hasn't been much good to talk about. So they have to stack wins, and... I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. That's obviously what we're going to spend time here today talking about. But Evan, you know, we just talked about how for the Bucs, it's it's do or die. And for a Carolina Panthers team with nothing to lose, for the Bucs, that seems to be the most dangerous thing they could face this week. Yeah, you know, uh, Desmond had said that for two, you know, two straight seasons, they had basically pinpointed where a, a coaching change could happen. And we've talked a lot th- throughout, right, ever since a lot of people say, oh, Tobble's on the hot seat, Tobble's this, Tobble's that. And we've said, you know, let's, okay, he might be on the hot seat, he might be fired, 
at the end of the season. The, the Glazers have never fired a head coach midseason, and there's been some bad ones. I mean, they let Raheem Morris lose 10 straight games before they fired him at the end of the season. So they've never fired a coach midseason. That being said, if they were to go out and lose to this Panthers team, like I said, there's it's maybe not likely. I still don't think it's likely that there will be a coaching change, but it's not zero. Like, I don't think the percentage is zero. I'd probably go like 20% chance. And that'd be bad news, terrible news for Todd Bowles. And, and a loss this week would be the nail on the coffin. There would be no coming back. You want to talk about a demoralized football team, uh, it would just be brutal. Uh, losing seven in the last eight, losing three straight after you just got a win, you snap the four-game losing streak, then you go back and you lose three straight. That just simply can't happen. So... You know, and, and against this Panthers team who, yeah, they, they do. They have some talent on defense. And just like Desmond said, they have a lot of guys injured on defense, which is astounding of how their defense can still be so productive. I mean, they held C.J. Stroud to 13 points. And, and we all saw what C.J. Stroud did to the Buccaneers. So it's tough to get a read on this game, just like Desmond said, because you don't know exactly what – Carolina is going to be running. You don't know how they're going to look. And I'm sure, yeah, that the Bucs are trying to figure that out themselves. I mean, is much going to change? It's not going to be a completely different playbook on both sides of the ball because you can only do so much within a week. But there's going to be some wrinkles there, I think. And just like you had mentioned, and, you know, the most, yeah, one of the most dangerous words in sports is a team with nothing to lose. I mean, that is one of the most dangerous things in sports. Carolina knows they're probably, I mean, technically, the NFC South is so bad. Carolina is not mathematically eliminated. I was just about uh, to say that. At yeah. 1 in 10, uh, fun fact, the Carolina Panthers are still uh, potentially able to host a playoff game. Yes, <laughs> I, I think out, so. they might be the only team in NFL history that is, obviously, they don't own their first-round pick, but they have the number one overall pick, but could still host a playoff game this year. Uh, <laughs> that's the uh, th- that's the situation. But, um, yeah, they... Basically, we know they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So the Buccaneers now have way more at stake in this game than the Panthers. And the Panthers have three straight divisional games right now, you know, after this game here. So they would love nothing more than to knock off all these divisional games here and really spoil uh, these teams' divisional hopes. So uh, the Buccaneers got to watch out for a team, not necessarily desperate, just a team that's playing with loose. They're, 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 they're not going to be playing as tight. They're not going to be, if they make a mistake, oh well, they're, they're supposed to make the mistake. You know, they're not expected to be the winners. Um, so that's always dangerous. So the Buccaneers definitely have to be on their P's and Q's this week. On top of an ugly division being in the conversation, injury is also a major part of the conversation for both teams this week. We just referenced how beat up Carolina is. And for the Bucks, it's the same old story another week in a row. We found out today, Todd Bull said that linebacker Levante David linebacker Devin White, cornerback Jamel Dean, and defensive lineman Mike Green are all going to be out for this Sunday's game. Chris Godwin will be a game-time decision, and rookie linebacker Servasier Dennis, who got his first meaningful reps of his NFL career last week in the absence of Levante David, is also considered a game-time decision with an illness. So the Bucks, just like last week, going to be relying on a lot of these younger guys on the defense to step up. But there is some some silver lining, obviously. Kalijah Kansi, the big interior D-lineman, NFC Rookie of the Month honors for him. He has had an incredible month of November. And then, obviously, Yaya Diaby as well out there playing ahead of schedule. Evan, looking at the Buccaneers' defense, this is where we'll start the conversation of the preview this week. A lot of eyes on the young guys again this week. 
Yeah, and I mean, especially with both your starting linebackers out, you got a starting corner out, and not even, you know, it, it does suck that Cervase Dennis is probably going to miss this game because I think he'd be one that Bucks fans would be pretty excited to see how he would progress, especially with both Levante David and Devin White out. So um, it does suck that while he's not officially ruled out, it's Todd Bowles, I believe, said he's a long shot to play. So I, I would be kind of surprised uh, if he were able to suit up. But hey, you know, you never know. Uh, but yeah, obviously going to get an extended look at KJ Britt here, which I mean, he's a young player, but he's more of a young player who's also a veteran type. I believe this is his fourth year in the league or third year in the league. So uh, he's been around the block. And uh, obviously with Jamel Dean out, you're going to see more of Zion McCollum. You're going to see more of Josh Hayes, uh, Carlton Davis, even, you know, while he's not out, he was banged up. He was on the injury report last week and this week as well. So he's not a hundred percent healthy. Yeah. It's going to be another week of relying on the younger guys like Yaya Diaby, uh, Kalaja Kansi, who won NFC rookie of the month, by the way, uh, cool little, uh, honor for Kalaja Kansi there. Um, it's going to be those guys that are going to have to lead the charge here and going to have to, uh, play well now. I mean, the last time they were against a struggling offense with a struggling offensive line, that was against the Tennessee Titans and Yaya Diaby really played well. And the Carolina Panthers are, are no different. I mean, there's a lot of heat on, on, you know, the number one overall pick Bryce young right now. Right. But this offensive line, when you look at it, sometimes they just don't give Bryce Young a chance. So uh, the offensive line for Carolina has been a real struggle. And I think especially with the absences uh, of the uh, the two linebackers and in the secondary, that pass rush is going to have to be a factor this week. And they're going to have to play well if the Bucks want to shot because uh, Adam Thielen has been pretty good for the Panthers. And if the Panthers can get Adam Thielen matched up in the right matchups, uh, mix that with uh, – inexperienced starting linebackers and the Bucs can't get a pass rush going. Uh, it could be a surprisingly long day for the Buccaneers defense. Yeah, as we forecast how we think this game is going to go, Desmond, this is where I toss it over to you. But Evan, you had talked about the weakness at offensive line for Carolina. Bryce Young has been sacked 40 plus times in 10 games. Uh, you, you know, it's not a great look for what they've been able to do. And at times you had said they don't even give Bryce Young a chance. Despite some of the injuries they were facing, this Bucks pass rush was able to eat against uh, a backup offensive line and a rookie quarterback and Will Levis with Tennessee. That seems to be the case this week, but even more injuries on the defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay, taking away a little bit of that blitz threat with Devin White and obviously Levante, uh, Levante David whenever they feel like sending those guys at the QB. So, Desmond, your thoughts coming into this game. Have to assume a lot of pressure going to be on Bryce Young, but are they still going to trust him to sit in the pocket Maybe, you know, get uncomfortable at times and and throw the ball all day, or do they lean more on the run this week? I think they're going to lean more on the run. Um, one of the things that we've commented on that we felt like would have helped Bryce uh, this season would have been if they had kept the offense they had at the end of last year, which was more of a power downhill run type offense. Um, you're more under center, uh, and Bryce is more of a shotgun type quarterback and a spread. And that's really been the problem uh, all year where Frank Wright's offense is more of a spread type offense. And the the personnel that he inherited or they brought in really kind of fit more of a power run game, which is why you're seeing the offensive line just look like turnstiles a lot of times on Sunday because they weren't able to block uh, the scheme that Frank Wright just constantly kept pushing on them, which is why you've seen. Some offensive linemen, they haven't uh, come right out and said, hey, we're glad Frank Wright's gone, but I thought it was very interesting. Bradley Bozeman, the center, 
uh, had made a comment after the fact later on this week where he was kind of like, you know, everyone takes responsibility for Frank Wright getting fired, but in effect, basically saying, you know, now we can kind of get down to what we like to do and that kind of stuff. Basically saying, you know, Frank Wright was kind of hindering what we would like to do. Kind of kind of saying it without saying it kind of deal. Kind of saying it without saying it. And a lot of it, people have been saying that, you know, Bryce at Alabama did a lot of RPO. Um, he, did, he did a lot of RPO from shotgun, actually, from watching the tape. And he, he, they did a lot of stuff like bubble screens and things like that. That was kind of quick outs to get the ball out before uh, it could get to him in the backfield, which is why you didn't see it that much at Alabama. And the fact Alabama has one of the top offensive lines in college football. So that made a big difference as well. I would think they're going to start calling that um thomas brown takes over play calling duties again for the second time this year uh after being promoted to it by frank Wright about a month ago and then frank basically knowing his job's on the line took the stick back and was like if this plane's gonna land i'm gonna be the one that lands it uh and that's literally what he did but he landed it with no landing gear <laughs> so we just kind of skidded in and now thomas brown's got to figure out how to launch his plane again um we saw some stuff thomas brown came from the rams so we thought that we'd see a lot more pre-snap motion and things of that sort with the Panthers offense. And it just never developed over the course of the year. Now, as things are starting to leak out, we're starting to find out that it was really more Frank Wright's offense than anything else. And from some reports we're hearing, even uh, all these different coaches that they brought into this coaching staff that everyone lauded over in the offseason about, you know, bringing in Jim Caldwell and Josh McCown and Thomas, Thomas Brown and all these different guys, turns out, that was probably the worst thing that could happen to Bryce Young because he's got eight voices in his ear like all the time where this is streamlined it down to Jim Caldwell and Thomas Brown basically and Parks Frazier who became the quarterback's coach basically being the ones that are going to be with Bryce. And I think they're going to tailor the offensive game around Bryce as opposed to what Frank was doing, which was this is my offense. You guys run it. So I, I think we're going to see a little shift in that. We haven't had a 100-yard rusher all season, which is nuts to me as a Panthers fan. We haven't had a single one. I expect one of the running backs to get a heavy load, probably Chuba Hubbard, and we'll probably rely on the run and let our defense cook and do their thing. And I was just looking down. David Newton just reported 44 minutes ago. Cornerback uh, C.J. Henderson, who's been in concussion protocol for the past two weeks, he cleared today, so he practiced full. And safety Jeremy Chin, who was on IR, uh, was limited today, so he has a chance to return. Um, they will be without tight end Hayden Hurst, who uh, has a concussion. That'll be the third straight game that he's missed. And uh, Tommy Tribble, which is probably our number one tight end, is doubtful uh, as it stands right now. So a little banged up, but ain't nothing you know we ain't used to. We've been banged up all year. So it's just next man up, whoever gets out there. And um, I'd expect a heavy dose of the run game. Um, although, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are ranked towards the bottom in pass defense, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Buccaneers have really struggled against the pass this year. Um, so you might see some, and, and, and I mean, and, and their the run defense has been, the run defense has been better than their pass, but uh, it hasn't been the same run defense that it's been in years past. I guess you could say a lot of people when they talk about Tampa Bay, oh, the Buccaneers, yeah, you can't run on the Buccaneers. Y- you can, <laughs> you can run. Well, and if you remember right, I mean, Chuba Hubbard just absolutely him and Deontay Foreman uh, last year uh, when, oh. in the first matchup just absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers on the ground in a 21 to three. Was that the one where we just decided we're just going to run the ball 45 times? And yeah, like- <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. I mean, Deontay Foreman had uh 50, 15 carries for 118 yards and Chuba Hubbard had nine carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, Good just a, a dominating fashion there. Uh, and that was 
Sorry, Bucks fans, but that was with Steve Wilkes as head coach, who was an interim after Matt Rule had been fired. And also, that was the week that they had traded Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, controversy surrounding the Panthers. I hate to bring it up, Desmond. Really do. But, oh, no, uh, don't, don't worry about it. We bring it up every week because it's like, uh, in hindsight, we look back on it now and it's like, why did we trade Christian McCaffrey again? Because mm-hmm. it, from where it happened, it was Matt Rule had just been fired. We were, they had just named Wilkes the interim. And in that week, they traded McCaffrey. And we're like, why are you trading him now? Like, it's an interim head coach. Like, we don't even know what's going to happen next year. Who's going to coach? And you're going to trade off your best player? And it feels like owner David Tepper, and this is real meat of it, really, if you're watching the Panthers from afar, it feels like David Tepper reacts and does personnel decisions based off of what's going on on Panthers Twitter. It really does. It feels like he literally... And he slipped up a couple of times in interviews where he's like, you know, uh, I shouldn't pay attention to the Twitter people and that kind of stuff. Uh, They need to get out of their basement, that kind of thing, which tells me he's actually listening and watching everything that we're posting as content creators for the Panthers. And once it reaches a certain certain crescendo, he, he acts on it. So like at the time with McCaffrey, most of the fan base wanted to trade him because he hadn't been on the field in two years. He'd been injured. So everyone was saying he's injury prone. We're overpaying him, yada, yada, yada. And then some of us are like, uh, this is the top 10 player when he's on the field. Like, let's, and plus, we just saved two years off of his uh, tires or whatever. Like, let's, we should keep him. He's, he's still underpaid for what he does. But David Tepper decided to kind of half clean the house when they let rule, they let rule go. You trade off your best player, but you keep everything else <laughs> for the rest of the year, which made no sense. Um, and then you trade off DJ Moore, you know, later on to move up. So you got rid of all of your offense to bring in an undersized quarterback behind an offensive line where you're not even running the scheme that they're good at. And that's the Carolina Panthers in 2023. Like that's literally in a nutshell what we're dealing with each week. And the offense isn't even, the offense isn't very good, but the team as a whole isn't so bad that they're getting blown out every game. And that's the worst part because they're actually pretty competitive. All these games are the same. I, I'll literally tell you what this game, it's going to be a one possession score, uh, a lead probably by Tampa by the fourth quarter. It'll be like 17-10 or something like that. It's going to be a rock fight for the most part for most of the game. Carolina will give you a turnover somewhere in this game. It's going to be the difference in the game. And at the end of it, when we look at the box score, we'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. Tampa actually you know, did the thing. But if you watch the game, you'll be like, that game was close the whole game. And then Carolina just gave it away. And that's that's been the mod- well, kind of the formula all season. We'll see if they change that now that Frank Wright's out of the building. Yeah, that's also how these divisional games just tend to be. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They're, they're always competitive. Even when these teams suck, they tend to play each other pretty well within the yeah. NFC South division. As far as the Bucs, by the way, their ranks on defense, 31st in the NFL in pass defense, averaging 267.8 yards allowed per game. So if this is the week that you've been waiting for a Bryce Young breakout game, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I am saying you have a better chance than some other weeks. Uh, the Bucs are also ninth in rushing defense, only allowing 95.9 yards allowed per game. So we bring up the run defense as we forecast a little bit more of this game. And I wanted to bring up the run defense because I'm in the same boat as you, Desmond. I really think they're going to try and lean on that early. I think Chuba Hubbard has, uh, has buck killer written on all over him. Obviously he did have the big performance last season for them. 
Uh, but Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor last week in Indy, they got better as the game went on. In that first half, you know, the Bucks seemingly did a really good job at keeping it close, but kind of neutralizing the offense of, of the Colts. Gardner Minshew wasn't playing his best. Like, he was, he was inconsistent. He started hot, kind of played like crap, and then finished playing okay. But regardless, he, he wasn't playing consistently. So they had to lean on that run game more in the third and fourth quarter, and that won the game. For Indianapolis at the end of it. I mean, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss both had well over 50 yards. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of them even found the end zone. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. You know, if, if the pass rush can actually get to Bryce Young, then I'm looking for a lot of Chuba Hubbard. And I'm looking for a lot of that short passing game, high percentage look. You mentioned the RPO, you know, spreading the defense out. That's how a lot of teams have beat the Bucks defense this year is just is spreading them out, running plays to the outside, bubble screens, you know, making the secondary guys chase down a tackle and go and get it. Carlton Davis, I think last week, led the team in tackles with 14. So Indianapolis did it uh, fairly well. And if your quarterback is the leading tackler on the team, then it's, it's not a great sign of uh, what your defense was able to prevent. So tackling is going to have to be on top of it this week. But uh, more specifically, that run game, Evan, your expectations coming into this one for the Bucks defense. Yeah, I'm kind of my expectations for the defense is kind of how Desmond is for the entire team. Like, don't really know what to expect, like, because there's just there's so much. They're missing a lot of guys who play a lot of snaps like Levante. David is arguably the best player on the defense. Like, I think it's either him or Vita Vea. Um, you're going to be without Levante David. You're without Devin White. And I mean, Devin White struggled, but like he's still a starter. Uh, you're going to be without Jamel Dean. That's just, that is a lot, you know, and it, it's going to be hard on, yeah, what to expect. They missed Levante David last week. They, 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 they really did. And I mean, I don't know if I'd say they missed Jamel Dean last week, but, um, because I mean, Dean has struggled in his own right as well, but it wasn't as glaring uh, because when, when you only have Devin White, though, as, as your starting linebacker and Devin White has struggled the way he has, it really creates a weakness in the middle of your defense. And I just think that, yeah, I mean, it is nice that they're not going up against a high powered sort of offense here in Carolina with all these weapons, you know, like they're not going up against the the 49ers this week or, you know, anything like that. But uh, I definitely don't know if it's going to be, you know, an easy time just because of the the amount of injuries that they have and just like their players not playing as good. Like Shaq Barrett's available. He's just not playing that good. Carlton Davis has not been that good this year. Like, you know, even at times, you know, Antoine Winfield has a lapse in coverage. That can't happen when you have multiple starters down now. The the margin for error just gets so much smaller. So I'm not really sure exactly what to expect from this Bucks defense. I really don't. Yeah, I'd argue the margin for error this week is as close to zero as it's ever been. I, I mean, you gotta be you gotta be the better team. And you should be the better team, as we said at the beginning of the show, but week in and week out, you don't really know what you're gonna get with the Bucks. But I'll make one more one more prediction here. Call it bold, if you will, on the defense. Uh, I'm expecting a big day from the pass rush. I know we talked about some of the underperformers this year, Shaq Barrett being one of them. Joe Tryon Shoenka, the other one at the outside linebacker, just as recent as this week, he was jumped on the depth chart by rookie Yaya Diaby, so expect a heavier load of the rookie this week. But I still expect them to get after it. They were able to do it against the rookie quarterback and a beat-up offensive line in Tennessee. And I know they're missing some firepower this week, but I would still like to see 
not a huge day. You know, I'm not expecting four to five to six sacks, but some sort of production. You know, disrupt Bryce Young in the pocket. I, I would like to see, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten quarterback hits on the day. They finished that Tennessee game with 13. So I, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask, especially with the offensive line being a weakness for Carolina in this one. But let's talk about the other side of the football now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not quite as banged up on this side of the ball and looking for a big week from Baker Mayfield again because we know Todd Bowles, his time is is running out. He, you know, the clock is ticking and he is on the hot seat. But as far as Baker Mayfield, he's also in a similar situation where he's going to have to do a lot more good than bad if he wants to clinch a contract extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. And uh, as far as the offense, it, I want to talk about the run game first and foremost because, you know, Chris Godwin... Game time decision. We know Mike Evans is going to go out there and ball if he has to, but Rashad White last week, 100 yards on 15 carries. And uh, I'm going to be curious to see if they can, you know, set the tone again early in the game. By the way, the Bucs have yet to score a touchdown on their opening drive despite getting all the way down to the one yard line last week to start it off against Indy. They could not punch it in the end zone. Uh, but a solid day on the ground last week for Rashad White. Carolina hasn't particularly been great at stopping the run this season. It was a weakness for Indy last week. And again, you saw the production on just 15 carries. Carolina Panthers defense ranks 24th in rushing defense, allowing 124.9 yards per game. Evan, your thoughts on Rashad White? Yeah, I think you're going to see a little bit more of them both in a run and pass game this week. Um, I mean, especially with Baker Mayfield's ankle. Um, yeah, he did participate fully this week, but it was just something to keep an eye on. I'm sure he's not 100%. Like, I'm sure his ankle's not feeling 100% healthy. So uh, I don't know how much they're going to want him on that angle, uh, potentially taking hits. So uh, I, I do think that yeah, you're going to see a heavy dose of Rashad White. And uh, if, you, if you're a betting man, yeah, I, I would bet both, both teams over rushing totals maybe because uh, I do think yeah both teams are going to try and run the ball here but yeah Rashad White yeah hopefully he can follow up which was a, a nice day against Indy hopefully he can follow it up with another one because he's another guy this season throughout the year that we've looked at and said this was a player who before the season you were hoping would make the jump you were hoping that would become a okay he's an okay player to, you know, this, is a, this is a legit guy for not necessarily 2023 or even 2024 but the 2025 the 2026 Buccaneers for the future your future running back and so far it's been a little bit underwhelming but Rashad White has definitely improved recently uh, I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see him more involved in the passing game as he's been in, in past weeks this uh, against Indy but uh, I do think that could change this week so yeah, I, I've, if I were uh, a fantasy owner of Rashad White, I would, you know, I, I would expect a uh, pretty heavy workload for him. Desmond, when you look at the Panthers defense, I know we had alluded to the injuries before and uh, the potential of some of these guys to come back and in return, maybe getting some of their first action of the year or first action in a long time since the beginning of this season. Uh, what are your thoughts and expectations coming into this matchup? Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The later we get into the season, the healthier the Panthers defense gets because they've been banged up since week one uh, when they lost uh, Shaq Thompson uh, to a broken leg. Um, I'm seeing J.C. Horn, who's still working himself back from the hamstring that he pulled week one. We haven't seen him since then. He's been working out with the team the past two weeks. They haven't said yet whether or not he's going to play, although interim coach Chris Tabor said at his press conference uh, about 45 minutes ago that uh, J.C. had a good week. They're going to evaluate it again. 
Um, and he'll talk to you know everybody to see if he can play. So J.C. Horn potentially, C.J. Henderson again, like I said, was in the concussion protocol for the past two weeks. Looks like he's going to probably play, so they'll get one of the uh, rotational guys back. Um, the guy to watch if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan on the Panthers defense, I know a lot of people are going to think Brian Burns, but the best defensive player for the Panthers all season has been defensive tackle Derek Brown. Like he is having a career year. If, if they weren't one in 10, he probably definitely would be a pro bowl, all pro selection. In my opinion, he's just disruptive in the middle of, uh, of that line. There's been a couple of plays. There was a play last week, I believe where, um, as soon as the ball was handed off to the running back. Derek Brown, like he had been shot out of a cannon, like literally up the middle of the line. And he just literally hits the quarterback and the running back at the same time. Like luckily, luckily it wasn't a turnover because he just did it so viciously and so quickly that he was just back there. And he's been making plays like that all year. So uh, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, who was out in the concussion protocol a couple of weeks ago, returned, uh, had a good game, kind of terrorized the Titans a little bit last week. He'll be out there running around. And these guys know Baker Mayfield. Like they practiced against them all last year. So they know his tendencies. They know where he's going to want to throw. They're going to know his little telltale signs and things of that sort. So I'd actually expect to maybe see some batted balls on Sunday um, from, from them. Uh, they started to do that a little bit over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the defense is trying to find any way to disrupt an offense. Uh, Ijiro Ivaro has been fantastic as a defensive coordinator. Almost wish they had made him the interim, but I kind of, in the back of my head, I understand why. Because if you do that, you're literally repeating what you did last year by uh, elevating Steve Wilkes. And then if you decide not to elevate Evero to head coach after the season, you have the exact same situation with fans that are twice uh, irritated by the situation by it. Steve Wilkes should probably be here <laughs> right now at this moment in hindsight. Uh, probably a different team. Even if they're around 500 or so, the way the, the division is, they'd be leading the conference or the division. So it's with a defense and a run game. So, I mean, that's kind of what the Panthers have always been built on. They try to flip it this year and the past couple of years with Matt Rule. I think we start to see a little bit of a push back towards what Panther football is, which is run the ball and stop the run. And uh, the front seven for Carolina looks like they're getting, well, the back end is starting to get healthy again. And the front seven's been holding it down uh, all season. So they're the reason why these games are rock fights. Like when you play Carolina and people might go into it thinking, oh, they're one and seven, they're one and nine, we're going to blow them out. And then they get into the game and it's like, this, it's hard to kind of move the ball in this defense for some reason. It's going to be like that all game where it's just, it's just going to be really hard to move the ball. And it usually takes a, a turnover or some sort of mistake from Carolina to flip the game in the opponent's favor. They like to commit penalties when you don't need them. <laughs> there was one, I think last week, or there was a couple last week. I know there was one in particular where it was like third and one or something. They get the first down, but there's a hold. So it comes back. It's third and eleven or whatever. The camp. sounds awfully but, familiar. Yeah, it's just it, little <laughs> yeah. stuff, a little small high school stuff, like stuff that you're just like, we shouldn't be doing this. And they're doing these little small targeting penalties. They're kind of iffy. So Carolina players might have that in the back of their head, but uh, for the most part, I think this will be the loosest we've seen Carolina on both sides of the ball since week one uh, with the change in regime. It's almost like a fresh start. And these guys, like Stu says on the Believe in Panthers podcast all the time, NFL players aren't built to tank. Like, they're not built to lose football games. It's their livelihood on the line. You can't ask a guy on a 53-man roster to play poorly so you can go draft some kid that's supposed to save the franchise. He's got a mortgage. He's got kids. He's got, you know, things he's got to pay for. And you want him to put bad stuff on tape? Like, that's just not how the NFL works. So these dudes are going to keep playing hard, even at 1-10, and 10, and knowing they're mathematically still in it, might be enough to 
keep them going and I don't know. <laughs> Maybe right. seven and ten Panthers <laughs> NFC South. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that 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 would be a story for the ages. Post um, the playoff game. That but yeah, be. I mean I, I I like what you said there really quick before we get into anything else about the offense and then score predictions. But um because there was a lot of fans this past offseason for the Buccaneers that are oh the Buccaneers are are, are tanking. Yep, they're they're all gonna tank and uh stuff like that. And then they're there's gonna draft Caleb Williams and Todd Bowles will be out the door. I'm like why would Todd Bowles be on board for that with that? You know, like yeah. <laughs> Frank Reich, Frank Reich right now would love to still have his job. You think he wanted to be fired? So, you know, nobody wants to be fired. Todd Bowles is desperately trying to save his job. Like he he needs th- this this stretch, basically, you know, of these next six games. He needs at least three or four wins here to keep his job. So, yeah, like that's never going to happen. Like it's it's never, ever going to happen. And I know there's some Bucks fans right now that, sure, like maybe long term, the best thing for the team is to probably lose. But like, yeah, those players don't care. Like, like those players and coaches to lose. Yeah, yeah they, they don't care about that. Like the, the, the front office, for the most part, doesn't really care about that. So yeah. not in the moment. Right. If right. it's week 18 and you're looking at it, would you rather have the nine? pick with a loss or the 16th pick with a win okay maybe maybe, maybe that's maybe guys, like, like yeah, yeah if if nobody's jobs on the line maybe like the front office jason late sitting there like okay yeah you can lose this one but um you know n- nobody tanks in the nfl nobody <laughs> tanks nobody tanks in sports yeah and even in that situation even if you sit some guys the guys are going to come in they've got tape too like yeah. they're gonna play they're going to play maybe even harder so like mm-hmm. the only sport i can think of where you can kind of tank is the nba yeah you can manipulate the roster there's only 12 guys Right. So if you really want to tank, you can basically make it where you, I, we've seen it happen, where they'll send off their stars making $40 million a year or whatever. You know, we're just going to send you home. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to play for the rest the last two months of the season. We got this. And then they just play the kids. And yeah. you're going to naturally lose to these veteran teams. And that's kind of the way to do it over there. But yeah, and in the NBA, you got pick swaps and you can trade. I mean, yeah. you, you can you see 2028 20, first round picks being traded. You know, it's, one guy can affect a franchise in the NBA. Like, right. You can yeah. Flip it on its end where that doesn't happen in the NFL. You, you can be the best player coming out of college football, but you're not going to take a franchise and just completely flip it on its head in year one. Like, right. I, I can't think of a situation where that's happened. You play to win the game, even when you are <laughs> one in 10, still mathematically. With a chance to win the NFC South and make the playoffs, as you said, you play to win the game, and that's what even uh, even if even if they were mathematically eliminated, right? Let's say the NFC South is a normal division, and the the Falcons <laughs> or whatever ha- have a winning record, right? And it's like ah, uh, the Panthers are done. Like okay, the interim head coach, those players are going to be fighting for that guy now because all them players are going to be in that locker room saying. You know, and it may not be entirely their fault. It may have been Frank Reich, but like, there's going to be some players that feel a responsibility that Frank Reich lost his job, that Josh McCown lost his job. Like, there's going to be some guys that feel like, yeah, it's on them, and they're going to play hard for that interim. We saw with the Raiders when they let go of Josh McDaniels, the Raiders are playing much, much better football right now. And it's, you know, We've seen this before. Like I said, the Buccaneers lost to the Steve Wilkes Panthers last year, right? I believe a week or two after Matt Rule was fired. And then the Bucs ended up beating the Panthers last year in week 17. But it took a ginormous effort from Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Uh, because the Buccaneers were down in that game, if yeah. you remember. They were down uh, quite big in that game. They ended up coming back. So uh, a team with an interim head coach is always dangerous. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're going to play. Again, I think the Panther players are going to play with a little bit more salt 
uh, this week just because it's just a new voice in their head. Yeah. And uh, I think they want to show that they're better than what the record indicates. And in a weird way, kind of show that they're one in 10 because of who just got fired, not because of them. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what you're going to see on Sunday. So again, we don't know what they're going to run. We've got some ideas. They're not going to really change the playbook because you're in week 12 or whatever the NFL season, but the way they're called and what they call uh, will be different. I would, I would have to imagine with Jim Caldwell coming down from the, the tower or wherever he's been uh, all year. Nobody's even seen this dude till this week. And he's been on the staff <laughs> like the entire year. So Dom Capers is floating around somewhere around the facility. We've yet to see him and he's doing the same thing, but on the defensive side. So um, too many cooks in the kitchen. They cut a lot of that out. We'll see if it makes a difference. It's a perfect recipe for a big time upset in the division late in the season. You know, we we've watched a lot of bucks football over the years and, uh, not a lot of it was great. So again, for some people coming into this game, very mixed feelings. But overall, the Bucks, I, I think, should be the better team Sunday. And I also think that's a great time to transition to our predictions. I, I'll just, I'll go ahead and say it. I don't think this is going to be necessarily a fun game, an entertaining game. I mean, listen, any football is good football, <laughs> even when you're, even when you're, you know, the bottom of the division, uh, not doing great not a clear path to the postseason. I will still take that level of football than no football, but feels like something you might regret on Sunday night, but yeah, okay. I, I know. Right. We're going to be talking about this being game of the year. Um, I, I do think the bucks come out on top. Uh, as Desmond said, I think it's going to be a frustrating game to some degree because Carolina, you know, they're going to play. It's hard to say they're going to play better than their record. That's what they're going to want to do, obviously. But in the NFL, like you are your record. At the end of the day, we can talk about close wins, close losses. It is what it is. A win is a win and a loss is a loss. But I do think they're going to make it tough on Tampa Bay. I think they're going to make it tough to move the football. I think the interior offensive line, I don't know if they're quite going to struggle, but I do think it does set up a big game for Derek Brown because DeForest Buckner had a really big game in the interior last week. And the interior line, it's been a weakness for the Bucks so far this season. We've talked about it time and time again, so I'm not going to run down the position list for you. But you, you guys know that that has been a constant concern, and I, I think it may uh, show some cracks this week. But all in all, I do have the Bucks coming out on top. Final score of 21-17. to 17. They, they take this one. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is pretty much, I mean, we talk about these next two weeks, right? You got Carolina this week and then Atlanta next week, and um, – this is massive. I mean, it's massive for everybody involved in this organization. I mean, it's massive for Todd Bowles. It's massive for Baker Mayfield. Like if Todd Bowles loses this game, like there's just, there's no way he has a job next year. And if Todd Bowles isn't the head coach, I'm not sure Baker Mayfield is the quarterback. So um, while the Buccaneers won't be mathematically eliminated, if they lose, basically they'd be eliminated. If they lose, it's kind of like, kind of like the Panthers right now. Like, Technically, the Panthers still have a chance, but like it would take a lot of things to go right. And I just don't know, like if the Buccaneers lose this game, like who else are they going to beat? You know, like they can, they're going to go to Atlanta and beat the Falcons in Atlanta. I, I don't if they can't beat the Panthers, I don't think so. But that being said, I do agree. The Panthers are not going to be a pushover. This is not going to be some coming out game where you're like, oh, man, this is great, right? I don't even think it's going to be like the Titans game. I think it's going to be closer than the Titans game was. Um, I have the Buccaneers winning this game 20-14. to Uh, I think they do just enough, win it by six points, and uh, go home happy and sort of breathe a a sigh of relief. Uh, Maybe not a we figured it out, but 
but just uh you know, when that one's done, we got, you know, we won the game we were supposed to. Let's move on to basically the game of the year against the Falcons. So obviously there should be no looking past this opponent because at four and seven, you have no business looking past anybody. Uh, so with Atlanta being next on the schedule, you better not be thinking about that game at all, because if you do, then you're going to, it's not going to matter, but you're going to end up four and eight. So uh, just an absolute must win this week against the opponent that uh, you, you should beat, even though uh, they're going to play it tough. Uh, I do think the Buccaneers come out on top. Pips can't score. Like, I, I mean, I'm really, if you can get to 17 points, you're probably going to win the game. Um, now, granted, that was with Frank Wright here calling the plays, so that might be a little something different on Sunday. But uh, the Panthers haven't scored more than one touchdown on offense since October fifteenth. This is December the first, <laughs> so like that gives you an idea of like the woes for the Panthers, where they're going to give you that one drive. They're gonna, Bryce is going to get you down the field. More than likely, it's going to turn to a field goal. But every once in a while, he'll get you down there and get a touchdown. And then it's kind of like, okay, what's going to happen to make it where we can't overcome this deficit? And that's. That's what I'm looking for. If, if Carolina can get out to a lead early and let their defense kind of hunt a little bit and rattle Baker, Baker Mayfield, who we all know here that can be rattled if uh, if you know what you're doing, then I think Carolina has a chance here. I'm going to actually pick Carolina to win this game because it's just so new. and There's not a lot of tape on what they're going to do. Um, I'm going to and I'm going to have it low scoring. I'm going to say. Carolina 17. Bucks 10. I think they'll they'll get one touchdown and then the rest of it. And that might be late, like in the fourth. But I, I feel like this is one of those few times in the season where it's kind of lining up where uh, other than at Miami, at Detroit, where they got blown out in both and th- both those teams could be in the Super Bowl. Every, every Pretty much every team that the Carolina's played has been pretty tight, uh, no, regardless of what the other team was, good or bad. So... Um, I'm going to, even the Dallas game two weeks ago was a one possession game going to the fourth quarter. So uh, it's going to be tight. I I, I do feel that that's not going to change because of the Panther defense, but I feel like this time the Panthers on the winning side, uh, 17 to 10 should be your final, uh, especially with some of these defensive guys coming back for Carolina. Uh, the defense should be as close to hundred percent as they've been all year. It is do or do, uh, do or die for Tampa Bay in their home stadium, Raymond James Stadium, this week. 4.05 p.m. kickoff. For some reason, the NFL thought it would be a really good idea uh, to flex this game from 1 to 4 so everybody can flex watch it. it. Yeah, let's put it in prime time. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, just the best, uh, the best and brightest of the NFC South division going to be on display for most of the football nation to see. And the Bucks yet again, on prime time at home, 4 o'clock window, Refuse to wear red at home. I, I mean, you know how hot it can get first week of December at 4.05 here in Florida. So uh, they're going to be wearing white jerseys with pewter pants. I wish they would wear the red and pewter at least once this season. But I don't know. What do they have, Evan? Two more home games after this week? One? Just get rid of it. Like, if you're not going to wear it, to, to just like, why even have it as a, as a uniform? Like, it's so stupid. It, it really is. They have, I believe they have, let's check right here. They have, yes, after this one, they got two two more home games. Yeah, two two home games and three road games. So two more opportunities to wear the red on pewter. Or just, I mean, even if it's red on white, we're red. Like, like your main color is red. Like, They've I don't worn, understand why you just refuse to wear a red jersey. 11 games, one game, they wore one. the red jersey. Do you remember which one it, it was? The, yeah, it was the Eagles. Okay, hmm. all right. Yeah. And and it was I mean, they've worn the red jersey the same as they wore the creamsicle. Yeah. They haven't worn the creamsicle in ten years. 
not a great look, but that's all right. Uh, make sure you follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those at Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go on all things red and pewter, you know, whenever they decide to wear red and pewter. Uh, speaking of Bucks news, though, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Special shout out to our guest, Desmond Johnson of the Believe in Panthers podcast and owner of Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Desmond, where can the people find you and the content that you put out? Um, you could find, I refuse to call it X. I'm one of those, I'm going to call it Twitter forever until he sells it and it goes back to Twitter. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, DEZ underscore 3505. You can find the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast uh, on Twitter at Believe in Panthers. Uh, we also have Instagram, same thing, Believe in Carolina Panthers. And um, we are, where else are we? We're all over the place. But uh, you can catch uh, the Believe in Panther podcast. Usually new episodes drop on Tuesdays. Uh, we like to give, uh, everyone a day to emotionally get it all out Sunday and Monday. So by the time we come on on Tuesday, they've already had a, a coach press conference. They've already kind of had a couple nights of sleep on it. So we feel like we're the more rational <laughs> of the podcast and the Panthers uh, content creator land. Um, typically it's live. We do it video and audio. You can watch that at uh, youtube.com forward slash at tobacco road sports radio rate and subscribe. Good uh, sports content there, but the home for a lot of Carolina Panthers content uh, from a lot of different content creators spread out throughout the state. So uh, definitely, if you're wanting to check that out, you can check that out there on YouTube. That's exactly why we do a Tuesday show as well. We'll go live Sunday right after the game for our call-in show because sometimes yeah. we do get some really emotional calls. Yeah, But then we don't talk about it again until Tuesday. So yep. we got to take a little bit of time. And hopefully we don't have to take that much time because hopefully on Sunday after the game, uh, we will be talking about a Tampa Bay Buccaneers win with all due respect. You know, I, I hope for the Bucs this week uh, they don't just continue to shatter my dreams week in and week out. You know, they call me the eternal optimist on this podcast. And I said last week that, like, <laughs> I, I can't trust the Bucs to win any of the games they have left on their schedule, even this week. So I, I'm going into this cautiously optimistic, but hopefully the next time we talk to you guys, it will be about a win Sunday. Immediately after the game right here, youtube.com forward slash Canafire podcast. Win, lose, or draw, we will be live taking your calls and breaking everything down on our post game. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special guest, Desmond Johnson. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening. And as always, go Bucks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.